hockey pucks. Known for being discs. Famous for being sports. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why hockey pucks are secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. I'm joined by returning guest Dan Hopper and by new guest Will, a.k.a. Christy Yamaguchi Main, a.k.a. at Wapple House on Twitter. Many pen names for Will. Dan Hopper is an incredible comedy writer. He's written for The New Yorker, also for The Washington Post, more fine publications. He's a managing editor at a great site called Ranker, which involves many friends of the show, such as Tom Ryman. And Dan is also one of the biggest hockey fans I know. He formerly co-hosted a podcast called The Only Pittsburgh Sports Podcast because it was that. And one of the main teams they focused on is the Pittsburgh Penguins. So glad my very funny hockey fan friend Dan is here. And then, as I said, Will, a.k.a. Chris Yamaguchi Main, a.k.a. at Waffle House on Twitter. He's the co-host of the Jort Center podcast, which is a comedy show often tackling sports. That's why the name is a pun on Sports Center. Will is also a beloved guest and community member and more for the Daily Zeitgeist podcast, of course, hosted by Jack O'Brien and Miles Gray and, you know, involving many other friends of the show. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used Internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape people. Acknowledge Dan recorded this on the traditional land of the Lenape people. Acknowledge Will recorded this on the traditional land of the Lumbee people. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about hockey pucks. And great news, hockey pucks are a window into history, physics, technology, cultural exchange. You're going to be thrilled to discover that stuff, and you do not need to be a sports fan to enjoy this episode. Also, if you are a sports fan, it's going to enrich and deepen your enjoyment of that sport hockey. Also, extra fun thing about this topic, as you know, there are patron topic suggestions and polls to select patron picks for, for episode topics. Listener Al Seldo has often suggested hockey pucks as a patron pick in those polls, and I proceeded to make it after forgetting that it was his idea. So thank you very much for the idea, Al Seldo. What a great pick. It incepted me, and we got a great episode out of it. So please sit back. Or pull the other guy's sweater over his head, because then it's easier to strike him with your fists. Part of the sport. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Dan Hopper and with Will, a.k.a. Christy Yamaguchi Main. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Dan, Will, it is so good to have you. Uh, off off mic before this, we were talking about a bunch of winter sports, and then Dan presented a puck. So I'm very excited about this, but either of you can start. What is your relationship to or opinion of hockey pucks? How do you feel about them? 
when I found out this was the, and I, I hope you don't mind because my relationship's going to be very short to hockey pucks. Short is uh, great. Uh, yeah. So I'll jump in here first. You could not have picked a more perfect thing for me to have less of a relationship to. Um, I don't think I've ever seen one in real life. I know what they are conceptually. I know that I try to squint and find it on the screen whenever I come across a hockey game on television. Yeah. I have grown up at the beach in the southeast my entire life. So hockey is not like it, it just it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's like an abstract concept uh, in faraway places uh, where it actually snows regularly um, and <laughs> in uh, countries that we were in a cold war with for decades. Um, sure. But yeah, uh, other, other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Canada, right. exactly, <laughs> Canada. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I think hockey is really cool. But right that's about it. I think it's absolutely wild that it's an it's a sport that people play regularly. I don't. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around that. But I don't. I literally don't think I've ever. I've never held a hockey puck, and I've never. I don't think I've ever seen one in the sporting goods stores around here. To be honest with you, that adds up. Yeah. Well, and Dan, you have a hockey puck there. Do you want to hand it through the Zoom too, Will? Like just yeah, yeah, sure. you play it through the pipe. Yeah, he can take uh, it just to get mo- to get motivated for the Sif Pod. I like to be holding the object the entire time. <laughs> Last time I held the U.S. Forestry Service, I don't. Um, in your for, heart, you yeah, in, in my heart, heart. I, yeah. as I continue to, I I feel like an overachiever now because for once on one of these recordings, I have a huge relationship with the topic. I have played hockey my whole life. I watched hockey my whole life. It's probably my favorite thing. Um, still watch every night and talk to my family about it. I've coached, I refed, you name it. Wow. Love it. Because your team is the Pittsburgh Penguins. When they're not playing, are you just checking out other games? Yeah, I usually throw on some other game in the background and either do work or whatever, yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, watch watch it all the time. So uh, you, I, can, I can actually say it's my favorite thing. So you, you know I'm lying if in a future SIF pod I'm like, Alex... Uh, mops have always been my favorite thing. <laughs> Something like, <laughs> like, wait a minute. He says this mops every episode. Like, I love yeah. mops. Always love mops. I think I'm like the third Goldilocks bear, whatever, because I am from the cold place of around Chicago, but I haven't learned to ice skate. I, I've, I haven't ever played hockey. And then also... When I was a little kid, the Chicago Blackhawks were very bad. And also they had an owner who would keep them off of TV unless it was a national game because he wanted to induce people to come to the stadium. Uh, but so that meant so. I was kind of in a hockey desert. Like they, they weren't on very often. And I didn't I didn't watch a lot growing up. In a blackout market television wise. Yeah, kind of before anybody did that. And, yeah. and also like, uh, are we talking about the 90s here? I'm not sure your exact age. Yeah. So, so the Chicago Bulls were were everything. Like they, I'm sure they overshadowed yeah. uh, any other Big sport time. in that that city by a by a long shot. Yeah, there really there was just better, more exciting, and then like baseball got better in the 2000s, and the Bears had one Super Bowl run, and so like the Blackhawks have been good in the past decade, but. But then I had already decided what I liked. It, it was over, you know. <laughs> I think they attracted a lot of younger fans then because they, they opened up to TV and stuff like that. But, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to find, like, your local team on TV. 
That too, um, yeah. And we only recently, you know, got. I mean, I say recently. I don't know exactly the first year, but the the Carolina Hurricanes um, are f- comparatively to to some of the the other teams in the NHL newer, and they were the the Hartford Whalers before, I believe. And I just know about the Whalers because I really like the logo, as most people do. Um, one of the so more good. clever designs. I know. Uh, Hockey purists got mad at the Hurricanes a couple seasons ago because after every victory, they were doing some kind of like celebration and uh, people were getting mad uh, about it, I believe. Dan, do you have any insight onto that or do you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, they, they did like a thing called the Storm Surge where they did kind of That's like a right. choreographed like celebration. It was different every time afterwards right, just to right. like salute the fans and be like, you know, thanks for coming out and that yeah. kind of thing because it's like a non-traditional hockey market. But of course, became the lightning rod from like, yeah, let's have fun fans to like old school, like, ooh, I can complain about this fans. Yeah, like yeah, something Don Cherry would go on a rant about. He, uh, he did. He did, called him yeah, a I'm... bunch of. He called him a bunch of jerks, and then they. <laughs> print, really? they okay, yeah, of course, and then of they course. printed up a bunch of like bunch of jerks T-shirts and stuff like oh, that, man. just like politics, That's basically. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, in in researching this, I have discovered some of a like conservative strain of hockey fan, which matches what I've seen with baseball my whole life, where there's oh, there's a sure. whole fandom for the sport that is like it should still be in a dirt field with no electricity and, and like really mad about all new elements of it. There's mm-hmm. that strain in in uh in every sport, I think. There's the there's the old men I I work with at my job during the week that only watch college basketball because they 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 don't like the NBA, you know, like the the college kids play it yeah. right uh type mm-hmm. of type of guy and it's like, "Okay, buddy, I, I know what that's code for. We don't, you know, we're we're in the south. I work at a car dealership. I I, I know what you're hinting around at here." So, we, we don't need to carry this conversation any further. You'll see the hockey memes too all the time of like LeBron James had cramps and came out of the game. This guy <laughs> had a broken neck and finished the game. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. He like, was playing on a stretcher. Yeah. It's, well, I don't think that happened. He was dead. His body continued to, to play through rigor mortis for the next two and a half periods and scored. Oh, my God. Like, uh, I don't think so. I think hockey players get injuries and miss games all the time. That's a thing that happens. And anybody who's yeah, right. ever had a, like, if if you're if you think that you can play through a cramp, play basketball especially uh, at the size that these guys are through when, when your calf muscle or thigh is cramping up, you've never actually had one. Um, it's impossible to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just it's, a, it's the worst pain. Shooting in the world. debilitating pain. But yes, I, exactly. I think they like you know they like to go after LeBron, and they also it sounds a little you know menstrual feminine, so they like kind of yes, throw that exactly. in there. It's like yeah, all cramp. this like hinting yeah. Yeah. at stuff that's of all, like not toughness point. yeah it's like you know it wouldn't be like lebron broke his leg and came out of the game You're like yeah of course <laughs> it's an injury you can't play yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep you're absolutely right about that it's very coded yeah and for and for any non-sports fans in the audience like for one thing i think you still know what a hockey puck is that's exciting like like will said it's very international because of the soviets and, and just so many countries it's played in but it's an amazing object i think we can get into the stats and numbers all about it to start off because on every episode of First Fasting, thing about the topic is a quick set of fasting numbers and statistics. This week, that's in a segment called I Did It All for Statistics. Come on, statistics. Come on. So you can track logistics and stick it up your map. Stick it up your map. Stick it up your map. <laughs> and, uh... 
folks. The name was submitted by Aaron Kelsheimer. Thank you, Aaron. We have a new name every week. Please make them as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SipPod on Twitter or to SipPod at gmail.com. Uh, look, as a as an, uh, a great. parody, what I consider, to, I consider myself to be a, a parody writing aficionado a little bit. Um, yes, sir. That was excellent. That was really good. Um, Air, Biscuit yeah, will always it. have a uh, rotten place in my heart um, <laughs> whenever I hear hear their music. So well done <laughs> to whoever submitted that. Even a hockey hockey adjacent story, uh, our high school hockey team made a call up a goalie from like our eighth grade class once uh, to <laughs> play and he listened to that song he like cranked nookie before games and would, like <laughs> dance to it and then we started making him we're like oh let's make him like dance to nookie and we thought it was like hazing but he was like super into it and we're like oh he's like not embarrassed at all he's like getting really pumped up by this so we're like hey everybody wins we get to laugh and he's ready for the game oh that's beautiful that's yeah. that's that's kind of that's poetic i love that so much <laughs> Because, like, that's such a specific era where if you're an eighth grader and you're facing the terror of crossing a threshold into high school sports, you, like, reach for Limp Biscuits Nookie. Yeah, you're like, yeah, this yeah. will give me the fuel I require. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that or, like, uh, Kid Rock's Ball with a Ball. Um, oh, that yeah. was, that was like huge around like 2001, 2000. Like I remember eighth grade to ninth grade, I think is when that album came out for me. So, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> that, uh, all, all those, all those terrible rap rock bands. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Time. They, they have a, they, I have a soft spot for them. I can't help it. They, you'll, I feel like the NHL specifically, you'll hear those songs from time to time. Like you'll mm-hmm. just hear like the riff from like beautiful people and stuff in NFL <laughs> games. You'll be like, oh, I forgot that. The like Marilyn Manson song or like Dragula, or, like Rob Zombie or something. You're like, oh man, like I forgot this music existed. Yeah. And well, I never forgot that Dragula existed. I'm pretending. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> society's moved on. I of course haven't. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, the, and, I'm right and, there with it's you, just man. a funny era of like you know the NHL is like we need a hardcore song and it's still like that from like, you know, 22 years ago or whatever. Let, let the body, let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, uh, there's only a couple numbers cause we got plenty of takeaways, but the first number is one inch by three inches. And those are the dimensions, one inch by three inches of a standard hockey puck. It's three inches wide and then one inch thick. And Sports Illustrated says that specifically U.S. inches is the standards. It's 2.54 centimeters thick and 7.62 centimeters wide. Hmm. Um, But either way, it's one by three in U.S. and it's made of vulcanized rubber bonded together. So pretty simple object. How did it end up with the English measurements if it theoretically came from, you know, Canada or whatever. Yeah. I guess that was Commonwealth. Maybe was that pre-metric, like Commonwealth or something? Or did Canada used to use inches? Yeah, I I couldn't find like a good explanation why. Yeah, because apparently inches are precisely pegged to two point five four centimeters. So we do have a precise metric version, but the nice mm-hmm. round number is uh, like American inch, and that seems very un-Canadian. Yeah, yeah. We probably threatened some kind of embargo 
or like sanctions. <laughs> like I don't know. There's probably some weird, stupid political reason for that. <laughs> the, the Americans just bullied their way into standardizing, or some American company got the contract for yeah. producing all the the uh, hockey pucks. And uh, right. yeah, yeah. Some there's something to that. But yeah, okay. So one inch by three inch. No wonder I can't see it on television. Uh, yeah. I cannot keep up with a hockey puck to save my life during a game. Most of that is because I have no idea what's going on ever uh, when I'm watching one. But following the puck, I remember at some point, I feel like in the 90s or 2000s, they started highlighting the puck on television. Uh, yeah. and, and I could actually follow where it was. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but they don't do that anymore. And that bums me out. So now I just watch like hockey, like highlights from time to time. Yeah, that was uh, Fox did the glow puck okay. to like try to like help casual fans. There was like a halo around the puck while it went up and down the ice, and then there was a streak when they like shot it. There was like a a red or a blue tail. Yeah, and then also when it went against the boards, it would like highlight so you could like see through the boards and see it. Whoa, um, which is <laughs> you know kind of cool. Except I think, of course, a lot of hockey fans were they were trying to like appeal to casual fans who didn't know that much, but still the main audience was just hardcore hockey fans who were like this. I hate it. Uh, and they, you know, they roped in like three new fans and just pissed off all these old like Canadian Wait, dudes. So what is the? So is it just hating it for the sake of hating it, or is there like a? Does it like since you're a hardcore viewer, does it take something away from the experience? Yeah, I thought it was just like weird and unnecessary. But okay. you know, I'm usually in favor of anything that makes the game more accessible to people. But it's just weird. You know, it's like you know, there was just like. <laughs> You know, laser beams and stuff when you hit a baseball or something. It's just like odd, you know? You're like, I don't really need that. Yeah, like, I, I also. I got plenty more about that because one of the takeaways here, I think we can get straight into all about it. We'll get into takeaway oh. number one. Are you going to sing another Limp Biscuit song for this? <laughs> Is that the only stat that you have? No, I, there's more stats, but uh, I think I think we can. There's like lots oh, more info about the story we're getting sorry. into. I'm sorry. Usually you have. Like, oh no, all this these... happens okay. pr- right. pretty often. Yeah, this is great because uh, we can get straight into takeaway number one. Broadcasters caused a fan revolt and changed the future of sports when they tried to make hockey pucks more visible. Because we got a bunch of stuff here about this glow puck from the 1990s is like a singular event in the history of broadcast sports. It made a huge difference. Fantastic. And I I do remember for, for, you know, whether or not it was successful for probably even to this day, like if I talk to like someone who doesn't know hockey that well or whatever, they're always like, remember that glow puck? Like that's like the casual (laughs) thing. Like people still remember that gimmick. So like it had an effect, like for sure. It's stuck in my brain, and uh-huh. again, like, I, I don't, so what years did, because I don't, I couldn't tell you what years this happened, I just remember seeing it on television, um, and thinking it was really cool, uh, because I could actually, right. like, because also, like, I feel like back then, like, <laughs> the standard definition television, you really couldn't see the puck, mm-hmm. like, you, you, yeah. like, <laughs> right. the, the pics, the, the, pi- the, a single pixel on a CRT television was also the same size as the puck moving across it. So it was just like a blob more than anything, you know? That makes a huge difference. Like, not just the clarity, but the aspect ratio of the TV, because like it used to be a square. 
So it would like, and the puck would move so fast, it would like fly back and forth. Yeah. And like they pass it from like oh. behind the net to like the blue line and it would like jerk to the right. And then it goes down low. It's, they jerk it back to the left. But now like you can have way more of the zone yeah. on the screen. And so it can just kind of glide right, glide left a lot easier. Whereas when it was a square, wow. it was like flying back and forth constantly and it was lower resolution. So it was like a lot harder to see. Just the weariest camera, man. Like it's yeah, <laughs> awful job. I don't want it. Yeah, because uh, yeah, this this is like a surprisingly distinctive memory. Because I I vaguely remember this too, even though again hockey was like off our television a lot of the time. But national broadcast by Fox Sports, um, Fox in the U.S. They got the rights in 1994 and decided when we start airing these games in 1996, we need to have like a killer app to make it make hockey more popular than ever and so they rolled out this glowing puck in 96 and only kept doing it through 1998 when they lost the broadcast rights to abc and did not give abc that technology wow so for two years so it was just 96 to 98 it was like a really brief window of this glowing puck Mm. And even non-hockey fans were like, I hear there's a sport where where the ball has a halo. I must remember this forever, you know? Better, better to burn out than fade away. Yeah. <laughs> Two hard years. Neil Young, Canadian. Yeah. Like, he was about right. hockey. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All comes back around. <laughs> what, if, uh, what if the soundtrack of hockey games was, like, butt rock and then the slower tracks off, like, Harvest and after Gold Rush yeah. and stuff? Like, <laughs> Just needle and the damage done is yeah. playing after like a goal is scored. Yeah. That would man, that would be the weirdest vibe I think of all time. If you just you know a man needs a maid comes on after after a hat trick or something. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, so so two years this so the you you weren't kidding how singular of an event this was i like yeah this puck is burned into my memory and it only happened for two years when i was uh you said 96 and so 11 to 13 is when this glowing puck uh was was on television for me that is wild that's that's pretty pretty cool that it, it stuck in people's memories like that yeah, and they they were very proud of it. Fox named the technology Fox Tracks, and it was also like very difficult to implement because they couldn't just set up a program that would do this. What they did is they took the actual puck, sliced it in half, hollowed it out a little bit, and then put a circuit board and LED lights into it. And the lights weren't visible to the human eye, but a computer could see it. And then after they Whoa. bonded the puck back together with epoxy... Like then they had modified cameras that could see the lights that they installed in hockey pucks. Like they were doing a bunch of work to make sure the weight stayed the same and everything. It was very complicated. That's wild. It's. I mean, it's almost when you describe it that way. It's almost crazy that it like worked and wasn't like yes. <laughs> that it wasn't like some huge intrusive. I, I was picturing like a hockey with like the the Borg like headset on it, oh. you know, from like Star Trek. It's just this huge intrusive thing. It's like all wobbly at the whole game. It's like we gotta we gotta light it up. <laughs> that's that's amazing. So they, uh, I'm wondering if there were any player complaints uh, about the puck feeling different. Yeah, I would have guessed there would be, but I don't remember any specifically. Maybe the NHL was like, "That's what we're doing. Everyone, shut up." 
<laughs> like when baseball, when when Major League Baseball juices or or deadens the the ball from season to season. Because yeah. <laughs> there's there's one or two stats I can just seed in here, and one of them is five point five ounces to six ounces, and that's one fifty four grams to one sixty eight grams. But five and a half to six ounces ounces is the acceptable range for a puck's weight. Apparently, they come out different weights when you're like milling them or whatever and so i think that partly helped the players be okay with this weird thing because if you have that range to work within you can make a puck that feels normal even though they can tell it's varying they're a little used to that wow it's weird yeah it's it's interesting when you know when sports try to like be so 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 precise in some ways and then with something like that they're just like yeah it's close enough let's uh (laughs) you know decide everything on it well, it's kind yeah. of like the uh, the Tom Brady's footballs and Deflate Gate and all that stuff, you know. Like, there's yeah right. acceptable range of of PSIs, um, and you know <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> you can you can warm the ball up and kind of get a, a you know a, a pound or two more of PSI in there. Uh, that's that's funny, and it's monitored by like the least focused employee in the league in every yeah, league. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like apparently, baseball this past season they were playing with two different kinds of balls across the games, and no one noticed till now. It's what? Just, I'll link about it. Yeah, it, that was just going on. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> like like with, with with football again. I I find it hilarious how uh, uh, football does this all the time, where um, there's just old dudes guessing where the ball went down, like oh, yeah. On, yeah. on each play, you know, <laughs> and they just spot it. It's literally called spotting it because like I I, th- I think that's where his knee went down, and they just plop it down, and it's like it could be right on the money, or it could be like an entire yard off, and you know they're they're using chains and flags to uh, to measure measure this thing it's like the least <laughs> precise way possible yeah they, they eyeball where it is yeah. and then measure to like the millimeter <laughs> yes exactly where you're like it's just like the first part of that was fine but yeah and I, I, the hockey's kind of like that too i mean every sport i guess is a little where it's like you know the dimensions of the rink are very precise and like the you know the clock and stuff like that and there's all these uniform rules and stuff like but then it's like but then they play the playoffs in june and the ice is definitely like softer than it is during the season or if you like play in June in like Los yeah. Angeles, like the ice is like gonna be different and it affects everything in a oh, huge wow. way. And it's like wow. Ah well, we tried. You know? <laughs> it's like it like so precise about so many things and then these like huge aspects of the sport are like, we well, got as close as we could. I don't know. <laughs> well and then and then this glowing puck is like it's like weirdly not impacting the game that much compared to a lot of this other stuff, but it was criticized mainly because either pundits or announcers or fans just didn't like it. And apparently the big criticism of it was just that, like, if you were a true fan, you don't need the glow. Like, a, a true hockey fan can just uh, figure out where the puck is and they don't need it. So gate gatekeeping. So yeah. we're, we're doing some, or some goalkeeping, which is goal- goalkeeping <laughs> for yeah. hockey. Yeah, that's a... a so the NFL just did the simul broadcast with the Nickelodeon version where there's like slime on the field. Have you seen clips from this? 
I did. I uh, saw one of there was yeah. a touchdown and slime sprayed virtually all over the end zone. Okay, I like football. I like watching football. Unfortunately, it's got it's rife with its problems and stuff. That broadcast is awesome. It's so much fun to watch, <laughs> like SpongeBob be like stretched out in between the the goalposts uh, and get hit with a, a football and stuff. So what I'm saying is they need to simulcast. Like they need to allow me to download an app. Uh, whoever is broadcasting the games and watch hockey with the glow puck again um, and then keep it off the regular broadcast so that I can tell what the heck is going on. Yeah. Yeah. That I feel like something like that makes a lot of sense. Like now that you have the option to have like different ways to watch the thing, then it won't like intrude if people don't want it. Like, and it won't become this, like, I'm sure it was like a, you know, serious fan versus casual fan schism that they're trying to (laughs) be mad about. But I remember, yeah, I remember being mad about it too. I'm not above that, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's the fact that there's no option. It's just like, oh, you're watching like a playoff game and this is, and you have to watch this. It's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. That's so true though. We do have the ability to divide it up now. Cause yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was not just a wedge issue of like true fan versus fake fan claims, but also apparently some people claimed smart fans didn't need it. Like it became an intelligence thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then also there's a one source for this is a great blog called Puck Daddy by Greg Wyshynski. And he said that he remembers at the time one of the announcers said that Canadians will hate the glow, but American fans will probably like it. You know, like Canadians, good fans. Canadians, yes. They, yeah. they won't oh, like yeah. the glow. But these, these Americans, yeah. sure, you know. <laughs> these drooling morons down south. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's glowing. Yeah. No, that's an impression of all Americans. That's me. <laughs> I'm not saying that his analogy is completely off base uh mm-hmm. on the whole, you know, like uh as far as Americans being dumb about a lot of stuff, but yeah. uh yeah, that's definitely some some serious gatekeeping there. Uh Big time. particularly when it comes to the, yeah. the glow puck. Yeah, and then and then as you guys said, and also we're, we're linking an article from Slate by Aaron Gordon talking about all this. Uh, he argues that the glow puck was the forerunner of pretty much everything in modern broadcasting now for sports, because in football you have a yellow line for where the first down is now. In baseball, yeah. a lot of times there's a, a box drawn on the screen where the strike zone is. Mm-hmm. NASCAR will do little pop ups over the cars to say who's in there. You know, like we have seen this it's augmented reality basically it was like not that nice in the 90s but the advanced version is in basically every other sport now except for the glowing puck r.i.p yeah that the first downline i feel like is one thing that kind of suddenly was everywhere and i feel like everyone was fine with it it definitely like makes it easier to watch and improves the game like i don't remember any backlash about like uh, get this line off the field. I'm a real fan. Let's you know? let's act, let's start a Twitter a Twitter campaign. Uh, get rid of the first down line. Like if you're yeah. a true fan of football, you don't need the yellow line. You know exactly where the flags are. You know uh, how many yards the running back has to get on this this third down to convert. Um, if if you're not an idiot, uh, you know exactly how far they need to go. The players don't need it. Why do the fans need it? Get rid of the yellow line. It's BS. Right, <laughs> just the if, angry at the dumbest thing possible. That's that's yep. what sports fans are usually good for. If you were a real fan, you'd be down there holding the orange thing, right? You know, exactly. you'd have that job exactly. and do it full time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I listen to games on the radio because I can just perfectly imagine what's happening. I don't know. <laughs> if you need the crutch of television because you're a casual fan. But... <laughs> Next thing here is a big trumpet sound for a big takeaway. Before that, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet. And try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, and I think from here we can go straight into the next takeaway. Because here we go. Takeaway number two. Most hockey fans watch the hockey puck by predicting where it will go. And I think like a lot of fans know this, but but especially people who don't watch might be surprised. Unlike many other sports, a lot of hockey fans are like psychologically, even brain activity wise, seeing the puck by just getting context clues from how the players are moving. I I think that's got to be true for sure. Okay, so you jerks are smarter. <laughs> Dang it. Okay. But you just like right. get used to, yeah, where people dump the puck or who's reacting or who, you know, who, where they were, are probably trying to go with it and stuff. It's not just like it's randomly going around the screen and you have to find it every couple seconds. Like, you know. Well, speak for yourself. Because um. <laughs> <laughs> another, another number to sprinkle in here is 114.1 miles per hour. 114 miles per hour or over 183 kilometers per hour. That's the fastest recorded speed of a hockey puck. That was Whoa. a slap shot. Is it Zidane Ochara? So he he has the like NHL record at 108.8 miles per hour. Okay. And then there's a guy in the KHL, which is the Russian Hockey League, the KHL player Alexander Ryazantsev set that record at the 2012 KHL All-Star Skills Competition. So, mm. do you think Russia is juicing there? <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. 
I don't trust any records they set. Wow, yeah. just five miles an hour faster than every player in the NHL, including right. the six foot nine guy. And he's half the size of like a normal hockey player. This, uh, he's wait, he's twelve years old. I don't, I don't yeah. know. How did he do this? He's he's also Vladimir Putin and a Mister Snrub mustache. I don't know if that's an issue, but I believe it. So. Uh, it's, there, there's not a uh, there's not a radar gun. They just shoot it, and then there's like a panel of like those three like shady Russian officials off to the side, and they like determine what they, what they believe the speed to right. be. They just hold up a sign that says 114 yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> wow! Like some bizarre boardroom meeting in like a in like a brutalist architecture building, and then they like come they like come out with the report, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> That's weird. Hey, new record, guys. We did it. That guy who's oh, not yeah. even in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, and so you know, the puck's not always moving that fast. But apparently, since the the slap shot became common in the 1960s, and and you know, just players' speed strength has increased, the puck is moving very fast. TVs have not always been very good, and so. The average hockey spectator, especially if they've been watching for a long time since before good TVs, apparently the thing they are doing is just predicting where the puck is going based on how the guys move, and then they see it later. Hmm. And last year, scientists did a study to try to track this and analyze it. This was, it was from a German university. It was published in the journal Current Biology. The team took subjects and they showed them some videos of just pucks on a gray screen with no players and some videos of a puck moving on a rink with nets, but still without players. And with those videos, they found they did very advanced eye tracking, like they monitor what your eye is doing. And they found it took subjects about 150 milliseconds for their eye to catch up with the puck. But then they showed those same subjects regular videos of hockey and there was no lag time because they used the context clues of the players and their movements to just say, oh, that guy did a passing motion. The puck will be at that next guy. I just look there. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. And sometimes you can see the puck, but other times you do that. It's similar if you go to a baseball game in person, I feel like, you know, Big once time. they hit a fly ball, it's like you can't immediately track it in the air, but you see which fielder's running where yeah, and you yeah. kind of figure out you're like, oh, that's a problem. Oh, that's a pop up, you know. Yeah. That's a foul ball because no one's reacting. Like you don't just like immediately find it and track the ball. And I'll link a few, I'll link a Reddit thread and also a CBS Sports column. But apparently, there's a lot of hockey fan frustration when they try to show the sport to somebody who's not a fan yet, and the person gets frustrated with not being able to easily see the puck all the time. And the CBS Sports columnist, the way they put it, is that you need to not treat the puck. Like you're a cat tracking a laser pointer. Like if you lose it for a second, just follow up with the action and you'll see it again. Like you don't you don't need to be frustrated with what's Stop in the middle. Stop attacking it. <laughs> I mean, and, okay, so I like like breaking the screen of my television by pawing at it. That's that's not that that was my bad. Then okay, so it's not yeah, the sport itself. It's not the technology. That was me. Okay. Yeah. Gets so mad every time you turn it. Like, <laughs> oh, he means business. He's like, like hunting, yeah. like stalking the screen. Like, I end up spraying my couch or something. Like, you know, uh, te- tearing up the furniture. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> just sending the commissioner of hockey a letter that says meow 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 like, really angry uh, mail him a, a dead rodent uh you know like a, <laughs> a dead songbird in a box or something isn't that a compliment from cats i forget yeah he forget. saw the puck again so it's yeah like gift. yeah <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The puck is at least a little bit being seen this way by actual players on the ice, even though they're usually like lifelong hockey players who who practice this all the time. And my favorite example is a super recent game. We're going to link an article from Defector.com because they covered a February 21st of 2022 game between the Vancouver Canucks and the Seattle Kraken Six players, which is most of the players on the ice who are skaters, all started battling for the hockey puck in one corner of the rink. And then the other four players who saw where it was, like, kept playing in the middle of the ice (laughs) because the six guys all piled up, just followed each other's context clues. Like, they thought the puck was there. And so they did it wrong. They were all playing. I I watched that video. It's very funny uh, because they are, like, they are fighting for this puck that is not at anybody's feet. And then suddenly (laughs) you see the guy at, like, center ice, like, take off with it. And, like, finally the recognition that oh like they're they're fighting over a ghost puck is pretty pretty great yeah it's a funny video yeah it's one of the few sports balls if you can call it a ball that it that is like kind of invisible a lot of the time or like or like we're all just sort of adapting to it being extremely hard to see i love it what a fun thing it is pretty cool i i don't know is there uh dan are there like trick plays like that like i feel like there were uh, scenes in like the Mighty Ducks franchise where they they like did like a hidden puck what trick you or something. Lasso guy, in yeah. The game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> Does it? Okay, all right. I wasn't sure. You know, like a like a, in the you know in a beer league or something like that. Is that that a common occurrence? Yeah. Uh, but are, are there like trick plays in hockey? Like that, where I, you like misdirect people and stuff? Not like the hidden ball trick, you know, like in baseball. That, yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen that often, but like sometimes they, you know, when they get together with the pitcher for like a mound visit and they give the ball to like the third baseman and yeah. they wait for the guy to lead off and tag him. Like that happens like once every three years and it's like hilarious. It is. Um, I don't, I can't think of like a hockey equivalent to that. I mean, some, you know, there's little fake out things. Sometimes like you'll see a goal like, players like going for a line change and they're about to dump it in the corner and then they shoot it on goal and the goalie was like coming out of the net to like get Ah. ready to like stop the puck behind the net like stuff like that Uh, happens sometimes yeah um but it's i've never seen like a like like, you know (laughs) (laughs) wacky like i don't know rookie of the year style like total gimmick play right yeah, yeah, baseball players sometimes, if like a ball is like an obvious hit and there's a runner on second, they like react like they're going to catch it, no problem, mm-hmm. just so that like the runner can't right. like immediately take off to score. Yeah, but yeah, And then yeah. the ball drops and then they start running, but they might yeah. only get one base instead of two, stuff like that. Yep. Uh, I love that. There's a, all those little things. Yeah, fun trickery. The devil's sport. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> trickery is the devil's sport. <laughs> like, I guess. <laughs> what that means. Well, and speaking of competition, I'm going to do one last number here, and then we got one more takeaway, and that's the main show. But the, the last number here is 23. Easy number, 23. That is the world record for the most hockey pucks ever balanced on one hockey stick blade. Nice. 
And that's the Guinness Book of World Records. They say that Derek McKay of Cochrane, Alberta, set the record okay. in December 2019. Also, apparently, he used to hold the record. Then somebody beat him. So then he beat that person with 23 pucks on one stick. So I think there's an ongoing challenge here to be number one. That's that's a lot. And I'm that sure probably a seeing a, a photo, it's probably crazy. But I feel like the Guinness records, I'm so used to them being so crazy that I might have guessed like 400 or something, yeah, something yeah, like right, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, so that's just under two feet worth of hockey pucks. Uh, oh, right. If they're an inch, right? So <laughs> I forgot so, you could use them like rulers yeah, if you know this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and then we can get into the last takeaway here. And this is a little more international, too. Takeaway number three. The first hockey pucks combined Irish sports and words with a legendary pile of cattle poop. <laughs> and one more time, because that's long. The first hockey pucks combined Irish sports and words with a legendary pile of cattle poop. This is the surprising origins of the name and object, the hockey puck. I... Can't even parse the sentence you just said. I'm gonna need more info. I'm I'm uh, sure, zeroed sure. in on the cattle poop like, part. Got it. And that's the show for this week. Right. <laughs> so you like sign Terrific. off for like what? Yeah. <laughs> that music. But uh, I'm gonna save the poop for the end. The poop is like the object origin, but the name okay. puck uh, for a hockey puck. It comes from Irish sports, and we got a lot of sources here, but one of them is BBC Travel, because they look closely at the history of like Gaelic games. Because we, uh, according to Mental Floss, the unofficial first like birthday of the word hockey puck is February 7th, 1876. It was written about in an article in the Montreal Gazette newspaper. So that's the first time we get the name. But the whole sport partly comes from an Irish sport called hurling. And hurling is a high-speed sport. It's a stick-and-ball game played on a grass field. Sometimes they call it hurley instead of hurling. And then in the 1800s, both Ireland and Canada were in the British Empire. There was a lot of migration from Ireland to Canada, also a lot of soldiers being stationed in Canada from Ireland. And just at some point, they believe in, uh, some Irish people said, hey, we're in Atlantic Canada. It's incredibly cold. Can we play hurley on ice? And so from there you get ice hurley, and they adapted the Irish Gaelic word puck, which is a verb that means to poke, and turned that into puck. They they made that a puck for ice hurley, and you got a hockey puck. That's awesome. Wow. Huh. So it's Irish. That's pretty cool. That's never pretty knew cool. that. Yeah. It's wild that this sport exists. Like, to, like <laughs> I it's still uh, again. Uh, said it a couple times now just the the concept of this sport the fact that you have to be able to skate like <laughs> on like a figure skater level like to, to play professionally and then you have to have the toughness of like a an nfl running back right yeah and then you have to have the dexterity and the hand-eye coordination of like a baseball player um and then occasionally you need to know how to box people <laughs> like you, you need to know how to like like to fight people so so right I, it's just it's wild to me <laughs> that that anybody can combine those things and uh, like on any level much less a professional one and get paid a lot of money for it that's it's it's, <laughs> it's just nuts i i do think it's extremely fitting that the sports origins were probably some guy 
who was drunk being like, let's play on the f***ing ice. <laughs> like, <laughs> just right. making like the dumbest suggestion he could possibly make and, <laughs> and it becoming this thing for hundreds of years. Now. <laughs> and that, that guy probably immediately drowned. Like he yeah. probably fell through the <laughs> yeah. ice and uh, it was lost to time. Uh, yeah. yeah it's just like you said, making the worst suggestion he could possibly make. Yeah. <laughs> and it also, and early in its, like, especially late 1800s time, it was, I think, sort of seen as an Irish thing because the early teams, one of Montreal's first teams was called the Shamrocks, and they won the Stanley Cup in 1899 and also in 1900. And then one of Toronto's first teams was called the St. Patrick's, and they played in green jerseys. They won the 1922 Stanley Cup. And then in 1927, owner Con Smythe renamed them to the Maple Leafs. So today's Toronto Maple Leafs, they used to be like an all-Irish green team. Oh, wow. Or at least I- Irish vibe. They didn't all have to be Irish people. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a Mick before your name. You weren't allowed to, to be on the team. <laughs> no Irish on the St. Patrick's <laughs> go <to> sign. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mascot only. And they're like, ah, <laughs> this stinks. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like uh, changing the Celtics to like the, I don't know, what what would be the equivalent oh, of like changing. Something super American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, I don't know, the Boston baked beans or something uh, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know what's actually popular in, in Boston. Uh, maple leaves. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like maple leaves is a pretty good uh, Canadian, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a good Canadian representation. I don't know anything about Canada, though, other than apparently we were in a Cold War with them for many decades, uh, according to Dan. Uh, <laughs> and we colonized their puck measurements. Yes, I'm exactly. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, the pu- so pucks are American and Irish and have nothing to do with Canada, and Canada's lucky to, <laughs> that we gave our let them play our sport is basically yeah. What, yeah. what we're saying. Well, when's the last time they won a uh, Stanley Cup, Dan? <laughs> oh, Canada? It was uh, the Montreal Canadiens in 93. 93, so okay. We're almost I, going on 30 years. I knew it's been a while. I'm just, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to anger your Canadian listeners as much as possible. Yeah. I'm going to, my <laughs> mentions are going to be a dumpster fire after this uh, after this episode. I mean, and they'll point out, they're like, there's so many Canadian players on the teams that won. We'll be like, yeah, sorry. Nope. (laughs) Los Angeles won twice. As we, as we all know, it's more about the fans and where the team's located, not the, not the players on the ice. (laughs) They don't have any, they have little to nothing to do with it. No, Tampa Bay, man. Hockey, hotbed. Exactly. There you go. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and then as far as the origin of the object, so this there's like an unverified legend. When I said it's a legendary pile of cattle poop, okay. So we're Um, talking size here. We're talking about actual like verification. Yeah, there's like okay because early early hockey was all played on you know a frozen body of water. Like they hadn't. Okay. They were just like let's do hurling out here. They hadn't upgraded to using a rink. And so early players, according to the legends, they used frozen cattle poop as the hard object that they hit around the ice because it was available. There's no documentation of this, but this is part of the (laughs) like Abner Doubleday for baseball story. You you definitely you definitely misled me there, uh, because if I 
if I talk about a legendary poop that I have, we're we're talking size there. Yeah, like we're we're I've talking seen. about like I had to replace my toilet, not <laughs> not uh, not. There's no independent verification of of the poop that I took. You know? Okay, all right, I see what you're saying. You though. always independently verify. Oh, your, absolutely. You take yes. a giant. Exactly. Yes. You contact yeah. Guinness, you have them send somebody out, the, and you try to set a world record. Atlas Obscura yeah. is there yeah. to, like, first-hand document it. The local news. Yeah. The journal Current Biology, of course. Bring them in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Always. <laughs> This like Lynn. this like eighty four page like academic like <laughs> article about it. <laughs> when the the other fun thing about early pucks is that it was initially a ball sport when people finally moved into rinks or even when they were outside and and didn't want to use animal feces. And they said, like, hey, we have balls, especially like lacrosse balls. Let's just hit those with sticks. It's even more similar to hurling that way if we use a ball. At some point, somebody realized that on a nice ice rink, you get something that bounces a lot less if you take a lacrosse ball and you slice off the top and slice off the bottom uh. and like brutally turn it into a disc. And so that was the first like hockey puck was somebody chopping up a lacrosse ball. That's pretty yeah, cool. That makes sense. Did, did Art Ross have to do with the first the first pucks? And he did. Yeah. He still has a trophy named after him. He's like an early, early, early hockey player. And the scoring leader in the NHL every year wins the Art Ross Trophy. But I, uh, I thought yeah. he innovated like the early puck design, right? I, I wasn't sure if that was an Abdur Doubleday thing either. He might have just taken credit for it. No, also, right on. That's a true one. Because, yeah, they okay. like when they went beyond chopping up balls, uh, there was also an attempt to use pieces of wood because that's already kind of flat. I guess some of the early ones were also square-shaped instead of round. But... The NHL player and later ex executive Art Ross, like, helped start manufacturing actual pucks and also had a patent on one at one point. So, yeah, there's also a guy who now has a trophy named after him who helped give us this object in, like, the regulation way. All the, all the anti-glow puck people at the time were like, go back to cow feces. <laughs> like, we don't need these balls. <laughs> Real pucks got to smell. Yeah. yeah. And little pieces need to come off of it during the game and yeah. stain your stick and clothes. Yeah, true fans watch it with their nose, right? Come on. <laughs> Eyes, get they, out of here. They can smell where the puck is going to end up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Dan Hopper and to Will, aka Christy Yamaguchi Main, for accepting my email before this taping full of panda videos. That's not a joke. I sent them a bunch of panda videos because if you stick around for the bonus show this week, usually there's just one story. We have three stories for you of incredible, futuristic, non-sports hockey pucks. No sports in the bonus. This is hockey puck style items that are being used for incredible things the, the world around. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of seven dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring Hockey Pucks with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. 
Takeaway number one, broadcasters caused a fan revolt and changed the future of sports when they tried to make hockey pucks more visible. Takeaway number two, hockey fans watch the hockey puck by predicting where it will go. And takeaway number three, the first hockey pucks combined Irish words and sports with a legendary, as in apocryphal, pile of cattle poop. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. And they are particularly great on Twitter. Dan Hopper is at Dan Hop, D-A-N-H-O-P-P. And then Will is at Waffle House, which is like Waffle House, but with P's instead of F's. And also, Dan is one of the most thoughtful sports tweeters I know, because he has an entire separate account specifically for his Pittsburgh sports tweets, because he's from Pittsburgh. So if you follow Dan Hop OPS, Dan H-O-P-P-O-P-S, you get Dan, but an all yellow and black avatar like the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you get amazing sports jokes about everything. If you don't want that, you have just Dan's regular account. One of my favorite ways... Anyone manages their Twitter, just period. Of course, both these guys have wonderful things going on beyond Twitter. Will is the co-host of Jort Center, which is a podcast that is very funny, very cozy, just great. And then I'll link Dan's comedy writing for Ranker and for The New Yorker and for other places too. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. A great piece for Inside Science, also for ABC News by science writer Joshua Learn. Another great piece for Slate by Aaron Gordon. And then many further resources from Mental Floss, Defector.com, BBC Travel, the Vancouver Canucks hockey team. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. <laughs>